Good morning. Glad you're here with us. Would you stand? Let's worship together. God, we welcome you into this place. Thankful for your presence. We ask that you would have your way today. Do what you want to.
worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Thank you for the joy that's in this place, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can come together and worship you. Thank you that we can stand before you unashamed, forgiven and set free. 
Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you for dying on the cross so that we could experience you for all of eternity. Thank you for your unconditional love for us. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. Thank you that it's unconditional. So God, this morning, I ask that all distractions be silenced. All fears, all worries, our chores the rest of the day. God, we just lay those aside. And right now, we just focus our attention on you. The one who was, who is, who is to come. The God who heals, the God who delivers. God, you are worthy of all of our praise. And we give you full attention right now. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our minds. We say it is well with our soul. Even if it doesn't feel well with our soul, there's power in confession. So we confess that with our mouth this morning.
Father, we're before you as sons and daughters today. We bring our hearts before you, and I thank you for that line that says that you make our praise your throne. You are enthroned upon the praises of your people. And so, Lord, we welcome you. We welcome your presence, and our heart is to host you well, to make room for you, for what you want to do. Of course, we have an agenda. Of course, we have a plan. But all of that is subject to you. All of that is before you. We'll do the next thing you tell us to do, Father. That's our heart. We offer up and consecrate everything we're doing here this morning for your honor, for your glory. And Lord, we also want to turn our attention on a global scale to at the admonition of the psalmist, and that is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for Israel. And Lord, we stand with Israel right here in this place, right here, right now, we pray, God, for peace, for shalom over that nation in the midst of fighting and war. Lord, we ask that you would guard and protect the hearts and minds of the next generation from the trauma of war, that another generation would rise up, a prophetic generation would rise up, and Lord, steer things in the direction in which you lead and bring that nation back to you in repentance and openness. We pray for safety, for protection, and no more loss of life, God, and an end to this war, an end to this conflict. And Lord, in the spirit of the psalmist, we pray for the prosperity, the shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything well and whole for the nation of Israel. We do that in the name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We invite you to continue to pray at the admonition of the scripture for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for them. Well, my name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you and thank you for being here. We just, our hearts are huge always as we see you week in and week out and it's like a family reunion every weekend we come together. It's always a joy to be together. So thank you for being here. For those of you watching online, thank you for joining us and do let us know you're watching. If you're on Facebook, check in with us. Let us know where you're from. I mean, you've really become a family to us, many of you all over the place. And we thank you for, for being a part of our family right here, for allowing us to come into your homes through your screen. So thank you for being. Participate with us. We're going to do communion in a little bit, so be sure and prepare for that. Grab whatever elements you have there and, and worship with us. The words are all on the screen. So, so be with us, and we welcome you into this. If you're online watching and you have any prayer needs, you can write us, and you'll see the screen there, uh, info at bridgefbg.com. And uh, send those prayer needs in. We have a prayer team that we'll send that out to, and we'll get you covered and pray for you and hold your arms up through the battle. So, and also, for those of you that are here with us, I also want to welcome you as well and say thank you. And if you have any prayer needs also, we're here to pray with you and pray for you. And same, you can either write in at info 
uh, at bridgefbg.com, or you can stop by the Connect Center on the way out, and there's a prayer card there. Fill that card out. You either give it to the nice person sitting there, or you can deposit it in any of the black boxes you see around the building, and we'll get that. We'll get that out to our team, because we want to pray with you and stand with you and hold your arms up, and again, thank you for being here with us today. Continuing in a spirit of prayer, oh, one other thing. If you are a first-time guest, we do have a gift for you, and Wendy's got it right there, and uh, she's our little Vanna White here. So um, it's full of all kinds of goodies, and we just want to say thanks. That's our way of saying thank you for being our guest, and so you can stop by the Connect Center. When you fill out that card, they'll give you that. Also, uh, if you don't have a VIP card, we're going to invite you to get one on your way out today. If you look on pretty much every flat surface in here, they're everywhere. And what it is, it stands, VIP stands for very important person or very important people. In our heart, uh, we believe that God imprints people on our heart to pray for, to intercede for. And we want to, to take a simple gesture, write that down so that we have it and we keep it close, we keep it handy. And so on one side, uh, we're praying for those who need to reconnect not only with God, but with his body, the body of Christ, the church. And then on the other side, there's blanks and praying for salvation. We want to pray for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as both Savior and Lord of their life. And so we'll invite you, whatever God's put on your heart. If you don't have a card, we already know there's people on your heart. And so even as we pray for them right now, I would invite you to pray and join us in agreement for these people to, be, uh, to come home, basically, and to come back. And so... We're also, during this prayer time, we're going to be praying for our church of the week. This is something that is such a privilege for us, where we get to pray for other local churches here in our community. We love to uh, lift up the lead pastor and their wife, and so you'll see on the screen Pastor John and Christy Cruz at New Life Church here in Fredericksburg, it's Assembly of God Church. They're out of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. They've moved here and uh, doing a great job and really just coming to bring new life and breathe breathe fresh life into that church. Wonderful family. Uh, I've had breakfast with John. He and I have hung out. He's a great guy, great brother in Christ. We always want to pray for and lift up the other churches in our community, recognizing we're in this thing together, right, church? This is the kingdom of God. This isn't the kingdom of, of new life or the kingdom of, of Mount Zion or the kingdom of bridge. It's the kingdom of God. And so we do this together and we all play our role. We all run in our respective lanes. And when we do that, the kingdom advances. It's beautiful, the tapestry of God. And then we also want to pray for our nation as well. So let's pray together. Lord, we lift up these that are on our VIP cards. We ask God for an act of grace on your part to touch their lives, touch their hearts. And Lord, in that act of grace, if you so choose to use us to bring hope bring the message of Jesus. We're available for that. Or maybe you have others in mind, but Lord, I would ask that you would bring multiple opportunities for them to make the turn to Jesus. So we hold them up in Christ's name. We lift up Pastor John, his wife, Christy, Lord, as they are pouring their lives into New Life Church here. And even as the name says, Lord, that there would be life coming forth from that place. And we hold them up and thank you for them. Bless them, encourage them. Even today, Lord, may they sense lift because 400 people plus are praying for them and holding them up as they're in the battle on the front lines. So we bless them in Jesus' name. And we pray for our nation, Lord, even as we pray for Israel. Lord, we're a nation also in crisis, and we need you. We need you. We turn our hearts to you. 
We repent of our sin, Lord. We, we literally, we turn away from, from our lives to you, God. And we say, God, we need you. We ask that you would hear from heaven, that you would heal our land, forgive our sin, even as a nation. And Lord, there would be a restoration, an outpouring, a revival, an outpouring of your grace upon our land. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Also, just uh, the guys get this for sure, but guys, all the men in the house, I want you to look, there's exit right over there. There's one behind the production booth. There's one behind here as well. And so we just always want the guys to know there's a reason why guys typically don't sit with their back to the door in a restaurant. Amen? So we want to do that and let you know. If you would, take a moment. We're going to turn our, eye, our attention to the screen for our what's happening here at the bridge. You probably noticed that last slide there. We have digital bulletins now available. We're not handing out paper. We're going to save the trees. But if you'll notice out in the four-year area at the Connect Center, there's now a vertical uh, monitor, and that has all of our events for the week as well as those coming up. And so, as you can see, we highlighted a couple of those. And then also, if you'll go to our website, on our landing page, our homepage, scroll down just a bit, and it's right there. So the digital bulletin is available on our home page as well as here, and, uh, and then we'll keep you uh, up to date with announcements and what's going on, and so be sure and stop by the Connect Center. Be sure and register for these events, because we always need to know how many are coming, especially for doing food, right? And so I want to just highlight one. We had a great day yesterday. We had 50 men show up for our second men's breakfast, and I'm telling you, it was all-out men's events, because we ate a lot of greasy bacon. We had great pancakes and eggs and sausage, and it was amazing. Amazing, but here's what was really amazing is that 50 men gave up a Saturday morning for a couple of hours to come out, not just for the food, they came out to connect. And I had such a blessed time getting to know Bruce and some of the guys around my table, guys that typically I don't get to intersect with or connect with because I just can't get out there. And same for them, they can't get to me. So it's such a sweet time. And guys, it's such a low-key thing. If you haven't been able to make one of our breakfasts or one of our events, we'll invite you to come out. It's low-key. It's one of those things that 
if everybody's nervous, then nobody's nervous. So we just all come together because it's always socially awkward, but it's really not once you get there. And so do come out. Do be a part of that. We appreciate Rex and Jason, the guys, putting all that together. is an amazing time. We'll do it again. And you'll notice uh, we have another announcement, our men's and women's events coming up. Be sure and register. Guys, it's another opportunity for us to get together. So be sure and go to the website and take care of that and register. Now, want to shift gears and we want to participate in communion. If you did not pick up a cup on your way in, we we'll invite you to, uh, if you'll raise your hand, we've got some folks coming. They've got those with them. And if you need one, we'll get that to you. So, and I want to give you a little heads up. If you're new to the bridge and you've never participated in communion, we want to invite you to do so. Why not let this be your first one? Here's what we ask. We ask that you come with an open heart. That's it. Bible calls it an examined heart. It's an open heart. So we invite you to the table of the Lord, participate in communion with us, and uh, we'll get these to you. They're coming your way. For those of you that already have yours, if you would, go ahead and open up that top layer first. Don't pull it all the way off, but almost all the way, and it'll expose the little wafer in there. And then peel the gold layer, and again, not all the way, just almost all the way. That way you've got everything ready. So those are coming your way. Just keep your hands up if you need one. So Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, was enjoying a dinner, a fellowship meal with his disciples. What his disciples didn't know that this was actually going to kick off the final events of Jesus' earthly life as the Son of Man. Together for three years, seeing it all, experiencing it all. In their mind, they probably assumed he would be with them from then on, and they would just continue to do this thing. But they had no idea what was about to happen, but Jesus did. That's why he said, when we are together like this, I want you to remember me. And they had to be going, okay, what is he talking about? Remember him. If you remember in another passage, Jesus said it's expedient in the book of John. He says it's expedient that I go away because if I don't, then the helper, the Holy Spirit, won't be able to come. He said, I'm sending you another helper. The word for Holy Spirit, the word for spirit is parakletos. And it literally means the one called alongside to help. And the reason Jesus had to go away in bodily form was so that the Spirit could be released upon the earth so that the Spirit could be with everybody and not just with 12 disciples. So Jesus, understanding the gravity of the moment, he picks up a wafer, and what it would have been would be a piece of matzah bread, which is unleavened, like a cracker. And he picked it up, and he held it before him, and he said, this is my body given for you. Then he picks up a goblet of wine, and it's a common cup, and it just had wine in it, and he held it up before him, and he said, this is my blood. It's going to be poured out for the remission of sins. That means removal. That's what the word means. For the removal of sins. And he's telling them, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And again, they weren't sure what that looked like or what was going to happen, so you can imagine how after the fact they came back together and begin to celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, communion. He took these elements and he blessed them and then they partook. So if you would pray with me. Lord Jesus, we are pausing. We're pressing pause on the drama of life right now. Pause. So that we can say thank you. So that we can remember you. Remember your life. Remember your death. And remember your resurrection not only from a historical perspective, but from the fact that you live in us right here, 
right now in this present moment. And we are thankful for our union with you, our connection with you, our relationship with you. Thank you for the privilege of partaking of you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can partake of the elements. Amen. If you would hang on to those till after the service and then on your way out, if you drop them in the trash receptacle, that will be very helpful for us as we come back through the cleanup. And now we want to dismiss our children to their Bridge Kids classes. So kids, we want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our children. Thank you, Father, that we get the privilege of stewarding the next generation to steward their destiny. And Lord, we call them blessed, growing, learning, increasing, but also we speak protection and grace over their lives. Father, we pray for our teachers and our helpers and those involved in our children's ministry. Would you bless them and encourage them today and anoint them to bring life, speak life, and leak life upon these kids. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen Amen and amen. Thank you. Yeah, let's clap for them as they go. Lift them up as they head out to their class. We also, in the context of worship in this time, we practice generosity. And I want to say thank you for all of you who consistently give. It means so much to us. We appreciate it because we have the privilege of stewarding. And I'll put it this way, and I say it all the time, but it's really important to remember. We don't give to the church. We give through the church. And if you'll notice, though, on the screen, the names of the ministries that we are blessed to support and participate in, if you'll notice all those that are on there, there's two screens worth, and these are the ministries that we sow into financially. We, we give resources, also people. We, we, we want to continue to lift them up. So we want to pray for them every time we give, knowing that we're making a difference across the world, Africa, Mexico, Pakistan, Afghanistan. All those are represented through those ministries and right here at home in our own backyard. And so thank you for giving. Now, we don't pass the plate here at the bridge, so you'll notice there's some black boxes around here, as I referred to earlier, over by the doors, and there's one over there as well. And so during this next song as we worship, uh, we're going to invite you to stand together. Why don't we all go ahead and stand up, and I'll finish the instructions. As we stand, if you came prepared to give today, we're going to ask you to go to the boxes uh, during this song, and you can... uh, give your offering and bless it as you give it to say, Lord, I give you these loaves and fishes and bless them, touch them and multiply them. So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, it is our privilege to give, to sow and to make a difference. We ask, Lord, that you take our loaves and fishes and that you touch them so that they are multiplied into the transformation of lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Let's worship together.
Father, we turn our hearts to you, to your word, even though we have had the privilege of worship, Lord, we are asking you would open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that we may know the truth that sets us free. Your word tells us that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we lean in, we listen, and we receive your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen and amen. You can be seated if you'll turn your attention to the screen.
ago, Annette and I were in an organization for 13 years, and it's an organization that's worldwide in scope, and in fact, uh, you would think being in America that it would be based out of America, but actually it's based out of Manila in the Philippines. And there's a church called Victory Church in Manila that was started uh, by a group of young people, uh, college students who went to do a series of revival meetings in the middle of typhoon season and back in the day when there were riots in the street. And boy, that sounds like the perfect place for a revival, doesn't it? And uh, these young people went and they started this. This church exploded out of nothing to today that church. Now listen, this is not church numbers. I'm, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, somebody asked how many people we have in attendance at our church. I don't say, well, we have 1,200 here. Well, we have 1,200 on the roll. But on a given week, we may be 450 people, 500 people. So I say around 450 to 500 people because I don't always know. And so I don't like to do preacher numbers. This is not that. This is real. They have, conservatively speaking, over 80,000 people in attendance on any given weekend at Victory Church in Manila in the Philippines. 80,000. That's slightly larger than Fredericksburg, if you know what I mean. That's a lot of folks coming together. They meet in over 200 worship services to support those numbers. God is moving in a massive way, in a great way across the world. But notice that's in the South Pacific. That's in the East, right? That's in a whole other world. So it's not Dallas-Fort Worth. It's not, it's not Houston. We're talking Manila and the Philippines. Now, there is a church much larger than that. And it may be one that you've heard little bits and pieces about or maybe not. Uh, it's actually a church that is hidden and is underground, and it is in China, the Republic of China. Now, when I was a part of this uh, organization, Annette and I together, and, and our church was a part of this, we did a meeting in Los Angeles, and we did a, a worldwide gathering. So we had people coming from the Philippines, from all over the place, Japan, uh, I mean, United Emirates, I mean, we had people everywhere. And so all of our people that could got back to the United States. We met in Anaheim in L.A., had a big, massive conference. And we got word that what they called the generals from China were going to be in attendance. And we had been working with them. Many of our teams had gone over to China and participated in supporting the underground church there. Now, you got to understand, there's two kinds of churches in China. There's one called the Three Self-Patriotic Church. What that is, that is the official government-sanctioned Christian church. That's almost an oxymoron. It's a government-sanctioned church. Now, they are very restricted in what they can do, how they can operate, who can attend. They're monitored heavily, as you can imagine, and they have to jump through all kinds of hoops just to get recognized as a legitimate church in China. But again, they're under the oppression and persecution of that. But they're the safe church. But then there's another church, and the numbers are staggering in how many members are in the church, by the way, the fastest growing church in the world across the globe is in China. And it's not the, it's not the three self-patriotic church. It's the underground hidden church. They meet in rooms. They meet in houses. They meet in office buildings. They meet all over underground hidden. 
Friends of mine have been there. I didn't get the privilege of going there, but several of my friends have. And so they, would, they tell of stories of going through hallway after hallway and being in a building that looks like you're in a maze because you don't know where you are and you end up walking into this room and the glory of God's in that room because these people have risked their life to gather. It's not like here. If they're lucky, they have a Bible. If they're really fortunate, they somehow, maybe through technology now, were able to get through the screening, monitoring, and filters that cover that land from the government, and maybe they were able to get a Bible on their phone. Maybe. Or a piece of Scripture, a page out of the New Testament, or a chapter, or maybe even a Bible. Maybe, just maybe. And they gather and they can't wait to be together as Christians and followers of Jesus to worship and learn and hear the Word of God preached, taught, and they experience these encounters. Knowing full well, and my friend that went, he said, they warned us constantly that we could be raided, we could be caught. And they, went, they go to great lengths to hide. But can you imagine trying to hide millions and millions of people on a given weekend or a given day? So we're in Los Angeles. We got wind that these, the pastors, the generals, the top men from the underground church of China were going to be in attendance. But we couldn't talk about them. We couldn't broadcast it. They actually cut the feeds and everything when we got to that part of the conference because we were in Anaheim uh, the, the convention center there is huge. It's jam-packed with people. And they cut everything, and they, they introduced them and swore thousands of people to secrecy that they're there. But what we noticed when we got there is we were escorted into our place to sit down. So we got to our chairs, and there were about five, six, or seven, I can't remember, of men standing in front of us, and they were all about four foot ten. And they were Chinese, and I told Annette, I said, we're in the presence of greatness because these, these handful of men oversee millions and millions of believers in a place where persecution is the norm. We've been going through the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and we're in verse 10 today, and Jesus turns a corner in the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are beautiful because they're, they're feel-good. I mean, blessed who are the poor in spirit, blessed you who, you know, who are pure in heart shall see God. I mean, these beautiful, wonderful, oh, warm fuzzies, these are amazing. And then we get to verse 10. I'm calling this today the product of persecution. And as we stood there behind these men, one of them had written a book, and I'm not going to say the name of it yet or anything, but if you want to know, to come talk to me, and I'll tell you who it is and what the book is. And in that book, he said, Westerners and Americans, especially Americans, but Westerners in general, are really interesting because they constantly tell me that they're praying for the persecution to stop. He said, do not pray that the persecution will stop. Pray that we will bear up under the persecution and that we'll continue to spread the gospel because of it. Persecution's an interesting thing. Jesus is about to bring it up. And think of persecution like this. Have you ever been in a lab class in high school or college and you drop, 
you drop some mercury on a slate table, what happens? It's gone, right? It's, it's dispersed. Well, imagine having a drop of, of mercury on a table and taking a hammer and hitting it with everything you have. This is why that pastor said, do not pray that the persecution will stop because it's actually the persecution that is spreading the gospel, not only to China, but beyond their borders into the surrounding areas. Don't pray that it'll stop. Pray that we will bear up. The product of persecution. Now, as we go into this, I want to remind you what beatitude means because it's really important to understand because we throw around a lot of religious terms. We've done it. I've done it. And, but we don't necessarily know what they mean and get the full impact of it. So the word beatitude, it's on the screen. It means or it comes from a word meaning blessedness. Blessedness. A beatitude means you're blessed. Blessedness. And it means blessed are, the phrase blessed are, implies a current state of happiness or well-being. That is so important to understand. Current state. Right now. Not when we cross over and go into Beulah land or wherever, however heaven looks like for you. It's not about then. It's about right now. Blessed are you when these things are true. When these things are at work in your life. And now we're about to see what we're blessed in and because of. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I want to remind you, this mountain was actually a ridge or a hillside overlooking, it's called the Mount of the Beatitudes. It overlooks the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. It's actually an inland sea. It is a lake. It's huge. It's beautiful. It's in the northern kingdom in the region of Galilee. And that is the place where Jesus, when he withdrew to be with the Father, would go to be in a quiet, solitary place, except for today. He goes there, and all of his disciples show up. Now, listen, it's not just the 12. We're talking about disciples, followers, people who came from all the region, had heard about Jesus, and wanted to hear more, and they come, and they fill the hillside. And he preaches Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts with the Beatitudes, these happy are you sayings. And now, verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, now we're going to go to verse 10. If you want to hear any more about the others, go back on our website and you go into the archives. They're all there. All the messages are there. We're starting in verse 10 today. Jesus says, Blessed, happy are you now, right here, this moment. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, does that sound like an oxymoron or what? You're blessed if you're persecuted. You're happy now if you're persecuted. The reason this is true is because there is a joy. There is a peace that goes beyond all understanding and comprehension. Philippians chapter 4 talks about it. It's beyond comprehension. Many of you have experienced it. You've been in a situation that you should have been upset, you should have been dark, you should have been down, you should have been depressed, and yet there is a joy and a lightness about you in the context of that. What is that? That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. And it literally guards and garrisons your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, literally. 
You ever had somebody say, you should be freaking out right now. You should be losing your mind. Or to use my grandmother's word, you should be having a conniption fit right now. But instead, you're at peace, you're happy, you're joyful. Why? And I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. What does a witness do? They answer the questions. So here we have this situation where Jesus says, you're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Notice it doesn't say, you're blessed when you're persecuted for being an idiot. When you're blessed, when you're blessed when you're persecuted for, for being a total screw-up. Or you're blessed when you're persecuted when you didn't use good discretion. Man, I know a lot of Christians. Oh, boy, was I ever one in the early days. Ooh, man. My goal was to get the truth out there. Oh, my gosh. At any count, I mean, I'd be like tackling people downtown on Main Street and getting a gospel track to them thinking I'm sharing the gospel. No, I'm not. Making people mad. I'm driving people away from Jesus because I'm not using wisdom and good discretion. I've not learned what it means to leak out and not freak out. I'm just like all over. I got, I, man, I, I got to get Jesus to people. We're shoving it down people's throats and wondering why they're throwing it back up. It's kind of like Mark Twain said. He didn't have any trouble with God or Jesus. He just has a problem with Christians. Because sometimes we don't use good judgment when we're sharing our faith. Sharing or shoving. We're called to share, not shove, family. So when we're persecuted for shoving, that's not this. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Am I making sense, family? Sharing, leaking, life. Why? Because you embody it. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory who's living his life in you and through you and touching people. And they actually want to know why you have peace and joy and why you are blessed in the middle of your circumstance because you don't react like everybody else. That's sharing the gospel. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He says you're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness. Righteous only means rightness. It's when you're right. You're doing something. You're doing the right thing, and you get persecuted for it. You're blessed. You're blessed in that. Listen to this. Paul later in 2 Timothy, talking to his young a young uh, son in the Lord who he mentored and who traveled with him. You see it all through the book of Acts, Timothy and Paul. Here's what Timothy or Paul tells Timothy. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How's that for a promise? We like the good promises, right? We like the ones that like, man, if you follow Jesus, he's going to order your life and things are going to go great. You're never going to have trouble. You won't suffer. I'm like, uh, I'll sign up for that one, but that's not the one I'm in right now. Paul is saying, look, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted because you will be called upon to stand up and do the right thing when others aren't. It could be where you live. It could be where you work. It could be where you play. But you will be required to take a stand at some point or another. And when I say take a stand, I'm just saying be like Jesus and you will stand because everybody else will fall. All you do is stand. When I, say, when I talk about taking a stand, I'm talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they didn't have to stand up. They just stayed standing when everybody else bowed down. You hearing me? 
Sometimes we think we've got to go on the offense, and we have to be offensive, and we certainly are offensive sometimes, but not in the right way. We're so tearing things up as we go, thinking we're somehow loving people. That's not loving, family. Again, shoving or sharing. We're called to share. And unless we embody the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, come on, somebody, the goodness, the faithfulness, self-control, the ability to govern your own emotions, your own self, unless we embody those, we might be better just being quiet. Oh, I'm so tempted to go somewhere. I'm going I'm to restrain myself right now. Let me give you the definition of persecute before I start meddling and get out of preaching. Here we go. Persecute, definition, to make, to run, or flee. This is what Jesus said is going to happen when we stand for the right thing. To make, to run, or flee. They're going to run after us, to chase, to put to flight, to drive away, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing. They're coming after you. To pursue in a hostile manner in any way, whatever, to harass, trouble, molest, or assault. Don't think it's not happening here and it's not happening now. Annette had the privilege yesterday. We were invited to go to a screening of a showing of a film uh, that is being released and, and in the process of getting out there. It has been made apart from Hollywood so that there won't be the limitations upon what they put in the film. And it is a film uh, dealing with human trafficking. So yesterday in town... One of our own amazing people from our church uh, hosted this, and Jim Caviziel, who played in The Passion of the Christ, uh, Person of Interest, we like that series, Person of Interest, he's been on all kinds of movies and various things, and Jim Caviziel is in this movie, he's given his time, his energy to that, he was in Fredericksburg yesterday at this screening, and at this screening, and they showed this film, and basically what it's about is it's about an individual who was, it's a true story, who was working for the government and kept getting exposed to human trafficking, but in his capacity as working for the government, he couldn't do anything about it. So he quit his job with the government and went out on his own, and his own boss, supervisor from the government, also quit, and they're doing it together, and now they're going all over the world, particularly in the Middle East, and some really really dark places, and they are going in and rescuing people. And so the movie is about that, and it's to bring awareness to this issue that is happening in Fredericksburg right under our nose as we speak. And Jim's passion and fire for it. Now, he talked about this, that because he is a, an actor from or in Hollywood and at one time was embraced by the Hollywood community, he is now blackballed from that community. He is now marked which means because he's taken a stand for righteousness, because he's taken a stand for Jesus, and he's taking a stand for doing the right thing, he has now been blackballed and will not get work in Hollywood. So you'll see him in these kinds of things. And he is passionate, but he said this, make no mistake, persecution is happening. It's not coming, it's already here. To quote a line from Twister, best movie ever. So I digress. When you grow up where I grew up, Twister's a big deal. So it's like, yeah, it's like right outside our door. But anyway, 
He said, it's here. It's here. It's happening. Why? Because he stood up. Why? Because he did the right thing. Listen, family, I'm going to just be real straight up here. The worst trouble I ever got into as a pastor in 37 years of pastoring, leading churches, the only time I've ever been fired in my life was because I preached Jesus. Not the religious Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare think that Jesus is not controversial anymore. Just watch the Grammys. They get up there, God bless everybody. God bless you. Very few say Jesus. And when they do, it's like the barometric pressure of the room changes. Jesus is still disruptive. He still is, as John Eldridge calls him, a beautiful outlaw. Family, as we name the name of Jesus and we're called upon to stand up, persecution will happen. Not because you stand, but just because you refuse to bow to this culture. It's happening around us right now. It's happening in the United States. It's happened all over California during the pandemic. John MacArthur and many others suffered persecution because they refused to cave. And even Christian pastors are coming against them because they didn't follow the rules, the ridiculous rules, the oppressive rules. We're very blessed where we live right here. But listen, I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. Anything could happen in our world. And the question is, and what we're being called upon to do is, will you stand and not bow to the Nebuchadnezzar of this world, to the government of this world? I'm not saying go against government. I'm saying go for God. Stand for righteousness. Stand for rightness. And this isn't a political paid for by ad right here. This is a gospel moment where we have to gospelize our life and stand for the right things. Not in rebellion, but in advancing the kingdom. That's not rebellion. And there will be a line in your life in the sand that you will be required to step over at some point. Listen to this out of the book of Acts I'm not even going to talk about cancel culture. I'll talk about that another time. It's another form of persecution. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, signs, wonders, and a growing church. The Holy Spirit had been poured out upon this new church. They were moving. They were growing. Signs and wonders are happening, and God was moving. And It's like getting a B-1 bomber off the ground. It takes 10 times the fuel to get a B-1 in the air as it does to cruise at altitude. And right now, the Holy Spirit's poured out on the church, the first four, five, six, seven chapters. The new church is alive. It's spreading. The hammer of Rome's coming down. The hammer of religion is coming down. And the believers like Mercury are getting spread all over the place. And literally, by the thousands, people are coming to know Jesus and receiving the gospel. Man, and signs and miracles. What are, what are signs? What are miracles? They're signs that make you wonder. Signs and wonders. People were wondering what's going on, and all of a sudden, all this is happening, and in the midst of that, persecution. Listen to this. Verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. This was happening. Church was growing. Acts chapter 5, verse 17, the apostles get jailed. 
They get captured because the high priest is angry that these Christians, and that was a derogatory term, by the way. It was coined in the town called Antioch, and it literally means little Christs, and it's to diminish them. Somebody calls me a Christian today, I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that you noticed that. It could be the smallest thing ever. Two ladies praying at a restaurant, and I walk over to their table. I said, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being willing to do that. And they were like, thank you. They just gushed like, wow, didn't know anybody noticed. We should notice, family, and call it out and bless them and encourage them. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, put them in the public prison. Now what happens after that? While they're in prison, an angel of the Lord, again, we're talking about getting a B1-off man. God has peddled to the metal on signs and wonders right here. And an angel of the Lord shows up, unlocks the the door, and they leave. The angel says, get back out there. So they don't go hide in the upper room. Remember that, the upper room? They don't go hide. They go back out into the town square where they were arrested and continue to preach Jesus as the Christ. Why? Because the Lord told them to. They're doing the next thing Jesus said, so to speak. And they're out there, and these religious rulers are like, wait a minute. They're supposed to be in jail. Those are the same guy. How did they get out? They don't know what's going on. So they send a, a, a group of soldiers to invite them to come down to the station with them. That's what they do. Can you come to the station? So they, Because they were afraid of the people. You can read it in the Scripture there, the story. They were afraid of the people because they had favor with the people because of what God was doing through them. And it says this, the people feared them And they respected them and revered them, but they dared not follow them. Because they're like, what is going on? I love that scripture. Listen to this. Verse 33, chapter 5 of Acts. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So they come down to the station, so to speak. They're meeting with the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the religious rulers of, that, of Jerusalem, and they say, all right, put them outside. We need to talk. And Gamaliel, he is respected and honored, and he has a lot of wisdom. Look what he says. Verse 35, and he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days... Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean, not to be confused with our Judas, the disciple who fell out. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So again, got these dispersions, right? The hammer, the hammer of Rome, the hammer of law. Verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Now he thought for sure it would fail or he wouldn't have thrown this out. He did. He was, he was one of them. He wasn't being kind. He just understood the dynamic here. And he also understood that if they were to move on the disciples in a big way, they would garner the attention of Rome, and the last thing they wanted to do was stand out and throw up a flag to Rome that there's trouble in the ranks in Jerusalem. They're trying to keep things quiet. So he says, look, leave them alone. It'll go away. Because look what he says next. But if it is of God, 
You will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. The only reason they took his advice is because they knew it wasn't of God. They were sure that it wasn't. They didn't do it just because they were being kind. They did it because they thought this will come to nothing. Now look what happens. Verse 40. When they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The danger in reading a verse like what we just read is that we will blow through that and not pause to wonder what this beating meant. And we'll just go on like, oh, yeah, they gave him a slap on the wrist, right? That's what We get a slap on the wrist, off with a warning. Let me tell you what beating is. The word is scourging, and a scourge is a whip that's made of a wooden handle, strips of leather with glass, shards of glass, metal, and rock attached to these three strands of leather. It was heavy, and the guys who were charged with scourging That was their job, were trained in it, they were efficient at it, and they were brutal. And here's the deal. The way it was set up, it's kind of like in sentencing where you have a minimum or a maximum. In Israel at the time, it was a minimum of three stripes. Or if you're going before your principal at school, three swats, right? Back when we used to get those. Not that I ever did. Well, okay, maybe I did. So I was that kid. So Three stripes minimum. Now, you have to understand what one stripe is. They would do two on the back, one on the chest. And then if they did more than that, they would do two, one, two, one, two, one. It's always in threes. There was a reason for that. had to do with Jewish law. And one swipe, one stripe would literally, when they would hit you with that thing, again, professional wielding this thing, it would embed in the skin, and then they would rip out the scourge, and it would rip the skin away layer by layer as they beat you. So one stripe would leave you bloody, a bloody mess. Can you imagine? The maximum penalty was 40 minus 1, 49. There's a reason, again, Jewish law on that. So we don't know because it doesn't say. It just says they were scourged, they were beaten, which means they got at least three stripes. If they got the minimum, and I have a feeling they didn't, because remember, these were the guys who wanted to kill them. So however many they got when they left the presence of the council, we don't see it in the text because we don't understand it. They left a bloody mess. Their back, their chest, in practical intents and purposes, was like a bloody pulp. So what did they do? They went into hiding and they said, we'll never talk about Jesus again. No, look what they did, verse 41. Let me read verse 40 again, and then now that we know the context and we have the picture, and when they had called the apostles and they had called in the apostles, they beat them, scourged them, flogged them, and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Well, they let them go, a bloody mess. In verse 41, This is the product of persecution, which is the title of the message. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing, celebrating, happy, joyful that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. What name? The name of Jesus. That is the product of persecution. 
When you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, happy are you right here, right now. They didn't go out licking their wounds. They went out celebrating that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. It's the same spirit of that pastor in China. By the way, at the time that I read about him, he had been jailed or imprisoned seven times and tortured unbelievably. I mean, psychological stuff, physical, I mean, tortured unbelievably. That was years ago, and over the years, I've heard of him being back in prison many times. Surprised he's still alive. But it's the same spirit that said, don't pray that the persecution will stop. Pray that we will bear up under it. This is the same spirit. Look what they do. Verse 42, and every day, remember what they were charged with? Do not speak in the name of Jesus. Let's have the worship team, if you will, make your way back up. We'll end with worship. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Hammer of Rome, hammer of religion, all it does is spread the gospel like mercury on a table. The gospel goes out. So as we close today and the team comes up, you guys come on up. We're going to get ready, go out with worship. For those of you who are here, we do have our class right after our membership class. Feel free to come. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we land on this? Today, this is a little different kind of message because Jesus has been warm and fuzzy and then all of a sudden the corner turns and all of a sudden we're talking about persecution, standing for what's right. The question is, will you stand? Or will you bow? Will you share or will you shove? And you have to make that decision for yourself. And the time to make this decision is not when the heat's on. It's now when the heat's off. Because if you'll decide now, make a quality decision, then I won't bow to Nebuchadnezzar. I won't bow to idols. I won't bow. I will stand Again, you don't have to stand up. Just don't bow when everybody else does. You'll stand out. You may or may not suffer persecution. Just remember that while you have a God who loves you so much that he allowed his own son to die for you, there's also an enemy, a devil, who hates your guts. It would just soon you be dead and off the planet so you can't be effective for the kingdom. And if he can't kill you, he'll do everything he can to marginalize you. And one of those ways is to have you bow and go down with everybody else. So a decision has to be made on your part. I'm not looking for a show of hands. This is personal. During the first service, it was remarkable. People started yelling out, I'm in. I'll stand. I was like, uh, we didn't ask for that. But people started saying, I'm in. I'm like, whoa, whoa, we're not going to have a revolt here. I'm just saying. You make a decision in your own heart, in your own life. Will I stand when everybody else bows? And that can happen in any of the arenas in which you live, where you work, where you live, and where you play. It could happen in any of them. And it could happen on a small scale, a micro, a tiny scale, or it could be a big thing. Ask the Canadian pastor, Pastor Arthur, who a week and a half ago was imprisoned for meeting with his church. All he wanted to do was gather. 
That's it. He just wanted to have church, a place to worship. They drug him out of his car on a, on a wet, rainy highway. The picture of was him on his knees in his suit coming home from church. And they treat him like a criminal. Probably while 15 drug smugglers blew by and probably a truck full of children and people being trafficked, they've got a pastor in the street treating him like a criminal. So don't think it can't happen. Don't think it won't. But be prepared for the time that it does. Can I get an amen? Father, we love you. We honor you. Lord, right now, more than ever, we need this song we're about to sing because our world... We, as the kingdom of God, we are under assault. We need to stand. We need your blessing. We need you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Can we all stand together? Let's go out with worship. children and their children may
Father, our hearts are before you. Our choice is to stand, no matter what happens in this world, to stand for rightness and righteousness. Your promise in that is that we will, we will be partakers of the kingdom of heaven. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. And that is our heart, God. We don't want to be just about a church, a movement, a group, a religion, a denomination. We want to be about the kingdom, the kingdom. Teach us what that looks like. We as regular folk in regular everyday life, how can we represent your kingdom well? Even by standing in the little things throughout a given day. Not trying to be spectacle or trying to call attention, or, but just to stand when others refuse to. In the big and the small. Give us grace to know the difference. We love you. We honor you with our lives. We hold everything in this world loosely, trusting you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.